0: It's time to take the quiz. 5 questions, 5 minutes a day, 5 days a week.
1: Take the quiz every weekday at the quiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course listen to the quiz at the quiz.fox.
2: From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade.
3: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Alan West in 15 minutes, bottom of the hour. Senator Roger Marshall on a huge push uh, that he's putting together that you're going to need to hear about. Uh, and we'll take you calls, 1-866-408-7669. Uh, it was great to be in New Hampshire. Glad to be back now. And there's nothing older. It's almost like the Super Bowl. The day after the Super Bowl, there's nothing older than the Super Bowl. You just want to pick up and go. Uh, You do some uh, aftermath, but then you don't talk about the Super Bowl. You're just done with it. Same thing with New Hampshire. Everyone's saying five weeks from now, South Carolina, will this whole complexion of this thing change? And then, of course, we're covering everything happening. We just got good GDP numbers, uh, 3.3 GDP growth, which is uh, higher than thought. Let's see if that factors into Joe Biden's message. So let's get to the big three.
2: Now with the stories
4: you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. It's called Bidenomics. If you notice, all the major, all the major economists who are talking about there's going to be a recession next week, next month, all of a sudden they're seeing the Lord. What's he talking about? Uh, Still running on Bidenomics?
3: Are the numbers coming in? Are the numbers coming his way? Perhaps as Joe Biden takes aim at Trump, ignoring Haley.
5: Number two. I think at, at this point right now, the Senate and Congress have to deliver. On, on, a, on a comprehensive border security s- situation. We, we should, absolutely. And uh, I don't understand why it would be controversial.
3: Well, because nobody trusts that this president wants to do anything about it. Border battle heating up on every level. Texas ramps up its state's rights on the border security. Biden's court fights and the finishing touches are being made on a massive border bill, as both sides have problems with it so far. But they really know nothing about the bill.
1: Number one. We've only had two states that have voted. We got 48 more that deserve to vote. So we are not going to sit there and just give up.
3: Uh, She's still fighting, but not winning. Nikki Haley continues the battle for GOP nomination and has licensed license and went after Donald Trump big time. Who's back in the New York courtroom. Why both should embrace this fight on some levels. And that's what I really think. Look. If Trump Trump wants to speak nationally about Joe Biden do it. At the same time if if uh Secretary for Secretary Ambassador Nikki Haley wants to keep running she should do it if she wants. Don't uh if I'm the president I'd say the former president I might even bring it up. Yeah, she could stay in. You know, it's, it's a tough decision. She could decide what goes on. Uh the numbers are pretty overwhelming, delegates it's not that bad 3217, but uh when you look at Super Tuesday there's not one state she's predicted to win. Nevada she's not even in it. And in South Carolina, we haven't seen a recent poll, but she's trailing by about 40 points. But what I was most surprised about was not that Nikki Haley was still in it, but her tone is so directly at President Trump and personal. Because she's not 60. She's in her 50s. She's definitely going to be around in 2028. But she, I know she does not have to go against President Trump again. But she has to win over President Trump's voters. And he'll have influence. After four years, if he says, whatever you do, don't go for Haley, he, you're you not going to go for Haley. Ask Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell came out yesterday and said Donald Trump will be our nominee. And he said that he doesn't want this border bill done. It will link to aid. And I don't think we should do it. So Mitch McConnell is noticing the power of Trump that he still retains. Listen to Nikki Haley. Cut three.
1: And so we were very excited last night because we saw that we had <clears throat> gone up 25 points in a month. And we were thrilled. So we got out there and we did our thing and we said what we had to say. And then Donald Trump got out there and just threw a temper tantrum. <laughs> he pitched a fit. He was he was insulting. He was doing what he does. But I know that's what he does when he's insecure. I know that's what he does when he is threatened. And he should feel threatened, without a doubt.
3: So does that sound like somebody... Thinking about her political future. I just think that any all of her donors that are with her can't be disappointed about her performance. You know, we've heard some things about maybe run some John McCain like town halls. We are taking question after question after question instead of brief uh, diner stop bys. Easily adjustable. But it doesn't sound like somebody that wants to bow out and think about tomorrow. And that is a strategy which is not in her best interest. Because she's making it personal about the most popular Republican in the country. Cut five.
1: This is a choice between more of the same or going forward. More of the same is not just Joe Biden. More of the same is Joe Biden and Donald Trump. 70% of Americans have said they don't want another Donald Trump-Joe Biden rematch.
3: Okay. Okay. I'm pretty sure the die has been cast. The only thing that would change it is if a new poll comes out in South Carolina in single digits, because that would mean the people of South Carolina don't care what their governor thinks, don't care about the endorsements of their two senators, don't care about the endorsements of 10 congressmen and women from Nancy Mason down. The only person with Nikki Haley right now, who I'm not anti Nikki Haley. I don't care what she says. But I'm not anti-Nikki Haley at all. In fact, on foreign policy, I agree with her. So the right now is Ralph Norman, and he's not necessarily anti-Trump. He's just pro Haley. So I'm just wondering what exactly is going on and why Nikki Haley has not pivoted to I'm a better choice. I'm younger. I understand the policies. I got the domestic and international experience. But I am somebody that clearly understands the vision and what Trump did, and I can improve on it. As opposed to personally go after him, take, telling him to take a mental, he wants a mental uh, competency exam. Man, he is not going to forget that. I don't know if you heard. So one of her big donors, this guy, Andy Sabine, he's out. Cut seven.
4: You got to know when to hold him. You got to know when to fold him. It's time for her to fold him. She has absolutely no chance. And to go into South Carolina when you're 31 points down and you've got two senators and a governor supporting Trump, why humiliate yourself and ruin your political career? She's better off taking that money. I'll be the first one to write her a check in 28. And if, for some unforeseen reason, uh, Trump implodes over the next six months for something none of us expect, she has the money to jump back in.
3: Right. So they're suspending their campaigns for a reason. They could just ramp it up again. Everyone reports back again. And Trump is uh, Trump. Even the Trump team would be looking for jobs. But right now, that is a well-oiled machine. But I don't think Trump did himself any favors throwing uh, throwing a fit and going after Nikki Haley. So in terms of overall, what could you say about what we now know about New Hampshire? And I'll just what we now know uh, two races in we know is Donald Trump won the men, he won the women, he won the Republicans with 75% of the vote. 40% of unaffiliated uh, were assumed to be going to Haley. Uh, She gradually got tougher, gradually got stronger from the time she declared a year ago she was first in, got a lot of publicity. But now she's selling mentally challenged, kissed up to dictators, can't handle a full day. Interesting. So she's going to head to South Carolina. We'll see. They brought up age and temperament. We'll see if both those go. So uh, just real quick before we move on, Mark Penn on the analysis on the work that Trump still has to do. And the worry that people like Ron DeSantis are talking about now is Donald Trump can secure the nomination. But is it going to be worth anything? Are there so many anti-Trumpers out there that he, can, he can't win the general There's too many – and my answer to Ron DeSantis is too many polls that show he's now winning in battleground states. He's got a higher approval rating, and he's winning overall on the real clear average. That means over the course of the last three months. Here's Mark Penn, cut 11.
6: Look, when I look at these numbers, he has consolidated his opponents except one, Nikki Haley. He's on the way to winning this nomination, but she is holding the critical swing vote in the election. If he doesn't reconcile with her, it will be a fission that Democrats will be able to exploit in the election with their key issues on abortion, on climate change, and in those suburbs. So he's still got a big job ahead of him. It's not over yet.
3: Yeah, I mean, we'll see. And hopefully that when they pour over the stats and they look at the numbers, they're not going to spin it to themselves, even though they want to spin it to the press. They'll understand where his weaknesses are and see how to change it. So I thought that was good for New Hampshire. Donald Trump will get see, You know, why didn't you know in the exit polls? Why didn't you vote for Trump? What is the problem? What do you mean? Why don't you want to vote for Trump? Was it just that Haley was better or that you just don't like Trump at this point? So and and what is correctable? What do you want to hear? Are you persuadable? And you get those stats and you work on it. You could change it. Uh, The border crisis is here. Greg Abbott is now using the supreme law of the land to give Texas soldiers power, uh, really their Army Rangers, uh, the Texas Rangers, as well as the National Guard. Soldiers power over Biden, um, over the, I would say, over over the federal government, and declare the state as the right to self-defense from the migrant invasion. Now, they're having a huge thing with the White House. Supreme Court says they have to take up the razor wire and the Border Patrol can cut it. They put the razor wire to keep the illegal immigrants out. The president of the United States wants everyone to be convinced that he sincerely wants a better border deal. At the same time, suing Texas for putting razor wire down or building a wall. So if you if you color and if you color your opponents skeptical on your sincerity, this is the reason why you don't fight Texas. On protecting their own border, if you actually wanted to pass a bill that protects his or her own border. Backing up Greg Abbott in the fight against the federal government. Ron DeSantis, Glenn Youngkin, Christy Nome, Brian Kemp, Greg Gianforte over in Montana, Kevin Steet. All saying, Roger Williams, Congressman from Texas, we are going to stand up to the federal government. I mean, this feels like a civil war. States against the government, states joining other states against the against Washington. Can you imagine if this was Donald Trump in the White House? They'd go, This guy is literally dividing the country. That's what this guy's doing. When we come back, I bring up this Texas story to Texas citizen, Congressman Alan West.
2: Don't move. Challenging conventional thought and wisdom. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
0: I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests.
7: Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com.
5: I think at this point right now, the Senate and Congress have to deliver on, on a on a comprehensive border security situation, we we should, absolutely. And uh, I don't understand why it would be controversial to think that we should have a secured border and we should be able to make sure that our immigration system works.
3: Yes, uh, Senator Fetterman trying to sound reasonable, but no one trusts anyone on the Democratic side. Uh, despite how hard Senator Lankford and maybe Senator Sinema is working, we haven't seen the plan yet. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, Colonel, it states against the federal government, again, you guys lost the Supreme Court, you have to, now the federal government can go in and cut your razor wire, but Governor Abbott's not stopping now, how would you characterize what he's doing?
8: uh he is doing the right thing by the constitution of the united states of america and shame on the supreme court for getting it wrong they're supposed to interpret the constitution and it's very clear what it says in the guarantee clause article 4 section 4 that the federal government is supposed to guarantee every state protection from invasion and if they do not do that article 1 section 10 clause 3 clearly states what the states, sovereign states, can do if actually invaded when there's imminent danger without any admit of delay. And so, in essence, what the Supreme Court said, Brian, to the state of Texas and to any state in the United States of America is that federal government can disregard, disavow their constitutional duty and responsibility and a state has no recourse against the federal government. That that's tyranny, and I think that's what uh, the people down here in the state of Texas are not going to settle for.
3: So Greg Abbott came out and he invoked to the founders. He says the federal government has broken the compact between the United States and the states. Yeah. James Madison, Alexander Hamilton, other visionaries who wrote the Constitution foresaw that states would not be left to the mercy of a lawless president who does nothing to stop external threats like cartels smuggling millions of illegal immigrants across the border, and that's why he's taking action. So. Right now we're looking at a situation where the border patrol is going to cut razor wire and on the same pl- and right behind it you'll have the National Guard or the Texas Rangers laying out razor wire.
8: Yes, absolutely right because this is an unlawful uh, decision that came down. I'm very surprised that the Supreme Court didn't even put out an opinion on it to explain how they came up with this decision. So again, the, the federal government is abdicating its constitutional duty. And if you go to the Declaration of Independence, it says the sovereign states are the ones that created the United States, the federal government, not the other way around. So everyone likes to invoke the supremacy clause, which is Article Six, Section Two of the Constitution. But there are three very important words in the Supremacy Clause in pursuance thereof. When the federal government is taking actions in pursuance thereof to the rule of law and to the Constitution of the United States of America, yes, they're supreme over the other states. But in this case, no. Joe Biden is guilty of treason. He is advocating his constitutional duty to uh, abide and uphold the laws of this country. And I got to tell you, the Supreme Court, I don't know how they can look at themselves in the mirror, especially Justice Amy Coney Barrett and uh, Chief Justice Roberts, and say they did the right thing on this decision.
3: I know. Uh, So the thing that and we found out, Tom Holman told me that it was President Trump's original idea before Governor Abbott of shipping these illegal immigrants willingly to cities they want to go to. And now you see Chicago, Boston, New York overwhelmed. Here's Cater Truss. She is just a Chicago resident and a Democrat, cut 19.
1: We would like to have our status as a sanctuary city removed. We would also like to see a better plan in place. I heard the mayor say um, in an earlier broadcast that he has no problem with the way that he has handled the migrant crisis. And I think that that's uh, un that's just not true um he has to have regrets because the people have regrets we are not happy with what is happening here we're certainly not happen, happy with the billions of dollars that are millions of dollars i should say i'm sorry that are being spent that could be used um for our low income communities our communities that have been divested in and for our schools
3: she's speaking for so many people who are
8: democrats mm-hmm. Yeah, she's absolutely right. And where do you see the biggest effect? You saw the the, uh, the school there in, uh, I think it was Brooklyn or the Bronx that was shut down so that they could bring in illegals. You know, how does that affect that family who all of a sudden has to look for child care? Who's going to teach and educate their child? You look at the the problems with domestic security, the crime, the criminality, the amount of terrorists that are coming in, the fact that these illegals are coming in and taking jobs from Americans. And so these people in these inner city uh communities are really seeing themselves being displaced, and uh, they're not happy about that. We just need to go back to the policies that were in place during the Trump administration. But again, Joe Biden purposefully, willfully, and intentionally is undermining the sovereignty of the United States of America, and sadly, Brian, the Supreme Court agreed with that.
3: Right. We'll see what happens. Lastly, uh, do you you agree with Nikki Haley's decision to fight on?
8: No, I don't. I, I mean... When you look at what happened in New Hampshire, that was the best case scenario for her because that's an open primary. And I'm sure she's trying to hang on for other states that have open primaries. We have an open primary here in Texas, but when you still have what 70 to 75 percent of non-Republicans voting for you, that's not how you win a Republican nomination. So uh, I think that it's time for her to look and say, "I'm not winning Republicans, uh, and this is not about Independents and Democrats who are not going to vote for you in the general election."
3: All right, uh, Colonel Alan West, thanks so much. Busy time in Texas. Oh, Texas
8: versus the world. Yes, it is. Yes.
3: Uh, and I'm on Texas's side. Texas' side. Absolutely, Senator Roger Marshall coming up next. Don't move, Brian Kilmeade.
2: you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade.
4: Building an economy from the middle out and the bottom up, not the top down. But because when we do that, the poor have a ladder up and the middle class does well. And the wealthy do well. Although they should be paying a hell of a lot more tax. We all do well. It's called Bidenomics. If you notice, all the major all the major economists who are talking about is going to be a recession next week, next month, all of a sudden, they're seeing the Lord.
3: Uh, that is not true, although the GDP grew at 3.3% or 3.1%, which is good. Uh, but no one's seeing binomics. They're not feeling it. All the stats show it. Uh, the uh, inflation rate is no longer rising at the rate it was, but it's still rising way above everything he's gotten or what he inherited. And no one's even used to any inflation for a whole generation. A lot of people not born in the 70s or an adult in the 70s wasn't uh, cognizant of what everything costs and now experiencing it for the first time under Joe Biden. And his answer has been to spend and continue to say the wealthy got to pay more, uh, which is a ridiculous line. But great if you're addressing a union. The craziest thing is today, I think uh, it is at two o'clock Eastern time, he's going to go out and speak again uh, in Wisconsin about Bidenomics. Where it is not popular, all his friends and his allies, his former staffers, are saying lose binomics. Six in ten uh, Americans say they're holding their own financially, but nearly three in ten feel they are falling behind. In Wisconsin, where he's going today, uh, there's a margin of less than one percent. Twenty two, he won by less than one percent in twenty twenty. It's a tipping point for the election. And this is what they care most about, is the economy. If he continues to go out and do what he did all summer, it hasn't moved the needle at all, Bidenomics. It's got a negative connotation now. They were expecting a growth of 2.8%. So at 3%, it is better. But essentially what Trump is saying is game on. You want to brag about the economy, brag about the economy. What he also got is an endorsement from the UAW. I don't know why it took so long. They always endorse a Democrat. I'm just not sure that... Sean Fein understands that these men and women who are members of the union are not going to vote where he wants them to. Here is Cut 22.
9: UAW family, today I'm proud to stand up here with your international executive board and announce that the UAW is endorsing Joe Biden for president of the United States.
3: Right, congratulations. And Joe Biden always answers by yelling because he thinks that... Uh, people without, who are in unions like to be yelled at. Listen to this tone, Cut21.
4: Since I took office, we've attracted billions of dollars in investment here in the United States. We supercharged advanced manufacturing, including electric vehicles made by union workers in America. China's determined. China's determined to dominate that market with EV predominantly made in China and Chinese jobs. The previous administration consent was content to sit in the sidelines and let China take all these jobs. But I won't let that happen. Really?
3: That's what what you say? We'll let it happen? We don't have the rare earth here. They don't mine it. You don't push Minneapolis or Minnesota to allow us mining. You don't push Nevada to allow any mining. So what do you do? You pay other countries to do your mining, many of which they already beat us to the punch there. Anytime you talk about EVs, you're looking at about a lack of control uh, for us when it comes to the electric car, which are not popular right now. And electric cars are not popular also with unions. Number one, they build them they outside union shops, number one. And number two, they don't need as many people to work on. Their batteries do just about all of it. It's um, solid state. So there's going to be a bit of controversy there. I have no idea why he's running on Bidenomics, but let's see if these numbers – Uh, People begin to feel these numbers and say, I really want Joe Biden to run my economy for the next two years. I don't really see that happening. Do you? I don't see it at all. But economically, he's got a few things going for him. He always talks about it. But the other thing to keep in mind, too, is that the uh, electric car business that he's supporting is not uh, loving him back. There is now a story that China is trying to supplant Tesla, which is an American company he does not like. Because they have X and they have other things and he doesn't really think that he's doing a good job at all. So I don't think the president likes that at all uh, economically. So we will see if that's a good move. I mean, are we in a situation now where Joe Biden's got so much power in his own unit that he'll come out and just defy everybody and just say, no, we're talking about the economy. I'm talking about Bidenomics, which he does not have to. You know why it doesn't have to? It was the Wall Street Journal that came up with it. By dropping it, it doesn't look like a defeat, does it? Here's the UAW uh, president, who I, I'm not a fan of. Cut 22.
9: And here is what Joe Biden did during our stand-up strike. He heard the call, and he stood up, and he showed up. He joined us in solidarity on the picket line for the first time in our nation's history. A sitting president has
3: ever done that. Yeah. Good luck. You vote for him. You vote for a president in the middle of contract negotiations with car companies. You decide you're going to take a side. Really? Do you realize how many jobs have been lost since then? Because the the wages that they now got, the benefits that they have, which I'm sure they could somebody else can talk more co- coherently about the details. But do you realize how many people they have to uh, let go? Because of this, do you realize how many uh, warehouses, uh, plants are going to have to be shut down because of the price of everybody that's getting paid money, perhaps, that doesn't fit with the budget that they have? So we'll see where that goes. I'm going to go back to that uh, bipartisan deal that we're talking about with the that's going to be released, I think, over the weekend between Senator Langford, Senator Sinema and Senator Murphy of Connecticut. Now, it's, uh, there's a lot of rumors about it. I've been briefed on it, roughly. And the, my main problem with it is not the details, it's who's implementing it. For example, they're going to change asylum laws, okay? Gonna, it's going to make it much harder to get in here, and you've got to back up with proof the claims that you make verbally. And if you don't have it, you're, you're expelled right away. They have no idea to do yet with unaccompanied minors. So that's still going to be a mess, and you can't hold people much longer than 30 days. So what are you going to do with these families? That stuff still got to be worked out. What they talked about, and I think it's been mischaracterized, is if you've got uh, times at the border where there's over 10,000. Remember, it's happened a few times over the last few months. What they want to do is do what they do with the stock market. When the stock market starts dropping after, I think, 2008 or it might have been uh, in 88 or 93, I know we had these market crashes, they put a failsafe. So when everyone starts selling off, they just shut it down. could be 12 at noon. Shut it down to the next day. What they're going to do is if they have a flood of illegal immigrants at 5,000, it looks like, then they shut it down. Now, people say, well, letting 5,000 in a day. That's not really how it is. You're not letting 5,000 in a day. They're changing parole. They're, um, they don't talk about have, having Mexico enforce their southern border. But they are talking about taking the $680 million that is already put aside for fence money that he's not spending because he does want to build a fence on pure political reasons. And they're saying you've got to go put it up the wall. You know, you want to call it a fence, you want to call it a barrier, whatever. You got to use it to put up a wall. He wants to use it to build more soft-sided facilities. Bill Malusian said this: the proposed expulsion authority wouldn't even be the mandated until five. Wouldn't be mandated until 5,000 people come across the border each day. That's a minimum baseline of 150,000 per month, or 1.8 million a year, allowed to come across our mandated crackdown. The highest Trump ever had was 850,000. So it's not the reform they're looking for. They did talk about the danger yesterday and was emphasized by this apprehension. Border patrol agents in Texas arrested this guy from the Alina cartel. It's a foot guide with over 40 illegal entries into the past two years, constantly being let go. Now he's under arrest. Now, Bill Malusian uh, put this tweet out. The cartel operative with over 40 illegal arrests in the last two, two years. Alina is the brutal enforcement wing for the Juarez cartel. Board of Patrol can catch them, but if there's no prosecution or consequences in the courts, what is the point? Forty-plus times is lunacy. Illegal entry is a federal felony, a uh, federal felony with a two-year maximum sentence. What do you say we give that to them, if not more? You listen to Brian Kilmeade Show. When we come back, or you open up the phones, one 866 or you can go to briankilmeade.com, click on Comments. I will get your words.
2: Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
7: Trump defeated Nikki Haley 54-43. to 43. It is the very first time he's ever been happy to see a woman
0: in her 40s. <laughs> he won by 11 points. He beat uh, Nikki Haley by double digits. He's also leading Nikki Haley... Uh, by double digits in felony charges, 91 to 0. Trump cruised to victory, and just like most cruises, half the people parted while the other half felt really sick. And uh... All right, there you go.
3: Uh, the late-night shows are starting, unimaginative, one-sided. There's so much comedy on the other side. Joe Biden just ate. We should try to pull this up, Eric. Joe Biden in a speech yesterday was uh, speaking. He ate like four or five lines. He just blended them all into one. Totally indecipherable. You're going to tell me that talking about Trump is really that much out so important? You can't squeeze in any hit on Joe Biden that he is earning by going up in front of people and talking about 1864 and talking about uh, and, and talking about this country uh, being uh, go, trying to take all the rights away from women, rights away from women. This guy's same Jim Crow 2.0. This guy is the most explosive language and. He's a guy that refused to go to New Hampshire, and if Trump just boycotted a state because it was too mixed race or too white or too black, can you imagine the comedy or the the monologue It'd be all about that? I mean, Joe Biden lost uh, lost uh, lost twenty percentage points to Dean Phillips of Minnesota. You can't bring that up, sitting president. Actually, you
4: want to not talk about Biden, but Colbert talks about Phillips. but yeah. it's it's. We I mean, have it. If you want to play it and then respond, it's okay. mind numbing.
8: Over
7: on the Democratic side, Joe Biden won the New Hampshire primary despite not even being on the ballot. <laughs> Woo! Feel, feel the momentum. Get with the Joe Graham. He's the only option to prevent a totalitarian takeover. Biden beat the handful of candidates who were on the ballot, including Minnesota congressman and failed David Duchovny clone who escaped the lab. <laughs> Dean Phillips. Phillips lost by 36 points, but he was gracious in his
6: concession speech, kind of. Congratulations to President Biden, who absolutely won tonight, but by no means in a way that a strong incumbent president should, but I respect him. He won. Really? You're dissing the guy
7: who just curb stomped you without being on the ballot? It's not a great look. It's like coming home with a black eye and saying, you should see the other guy. He's 81 years old, didn't show up and still kicked my ass.
3: Yeah,
4: but how disingenuous. All of the nonsense that Biden pulled about not being in New Hampshire, not being on the ballot, telling voters like it's they want to talk about how Biden's pushing for democracy. And then they're like rigging the Democratic side. Uh, They just don't mention it.
3: I mean, yeah, Dean Phillips would be a great guest for him. Dean Phillips is coming out and saying I'm a Democrat. By the way, Dean Phillips told me, I don't know if it was on on radio or not, but he said that he had Joe Biden to his house for a fundraiser.
4: No, he said it's posted on Instagram. It's great. Tell the story
3: again. So, yeah, so he he had him on. He said that he had him on his house for a fundraiser and all the rich people are inside and they're all waiting for Joe and they can't find him. They find him with the caterers in his garage eating ice cream, just talking to the everyday uh, blue collar person. He said it in a good way. I actually think it sounds like pretty insane. Uh, if someone's having a fundraiser for you, you, just disappear into the garage and eat ice cream. Uh, I mean, it sounds like he's a little nutty even back then. But he says, I have nothing against him, but he can't do the job anymore, and he's about to lose, and I don't want Donald Trump to be president again, and I wanted somebody else to run. I was gonna. He was going to finance him because it seems like he's a billionaire. He's had three huge successes in business at least. And, um, you know, he's in a situation where his dad got killed in Vietnam before— Uh, I think he was six months old at the time. Uh, His mom, his young mom, and they're remarried four or five years later. But you can imagine that trauma and what he heard about that. Uh, And he was always politically active, always uh, into politics. I don't know. I think he'd be a great guest. You really think it's going to be threatening to Joe Biden, a congressman from Minnesota who just wants to be on every ballot and speak coherently? He also said in his free time he went over to the Trump rally. And he just watched. Some people recognized him. They came up to him. And they start uh, and they started talking to him. And he said, well, I go, what do you find? He goes, it's great people. So he's loving it. His family's loving it. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he's going to stick around. And, you know, as Joe Biden waits for South Carolina, a state he will not get close to winning in the general, but that is diverse enough to be worth his time. And I just think that it's nutty that the people of New Hampshire aren't taking more pride in their own state and are allowing a whole party to blow them off and call them too white. And now, head-to-head, uh, head, Donald Trump loses New Hampshire by about two or three points. He's got to find a way to get some of those Nikki Haley voters that didn't go for him, even though he won by about 11 points, or maybe 12. In the end, there's some independents moderates are undeclared, which could be Republicans. I don't know. Undeclared, according to the governor's uh Sununu. Undeclared could be anything. They just don't want the ridicule or the praise or the the tractors coming out, people judging them by the party they were in. So they just say, we go undeclared. So a lot of undeclared went with Nikki Haley. To me, I'm happy I won, and I go find out how Nikki Haley won them over because I want to need them because you're going to need New Hampshire could decide the election. I mean, you got Arizona, everybody knows. Georgia, everybody knows. Pennsylvania, Michigan, everybody knows. He's leading everywhere except Wisconsin in a battleground state. But I would try to find out what Nikki Haley was up to and see if he had an answer. I'm really curious to see... Next time Donald Trump speaks, if he's going to speak right to Biden, or is he going to go back and go after the person he calls bird brain? Senator Lindsey Graham, a friend of Haley's, but an ally of Trump's, cut, not, cut eight.
7: I can't express enough to the people watching your show that those of us in South Carolina who respect Nikki Haley believe that Donald Trump is the most capable person to be president that can beat Joe Biden, but not just beat Joe Biden, clean up a broken border. Scare the hell out of the terrorist. Help Israel, who's under siege. Make us energy independent again. Why do I say that? Because he did it before.
3: Right. And he's, uh, he's all in. And I think that people are tired. Marco Rubio on, and he's all in. Some people say Marco Rubio would be a great VP, Hispanic, knows foreign policy, understands Congress, understands Trump. They seem to work well together after a horrible start. Remember, they went out at each other personally. Actually, the more you think of it, much more personal than Nikki Haley, but it's a little bit different now because he's an established president. So Lindsey Graham saying in South Carolina you got it's a it's a non starter. I'm pretty curious to see Ken Langone, because Ken Langone says, I want to support Nikki Haley, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna just throw my money into a hole that can't win. So Byron Donald's is somebody else supporting Donald Trump. Thinks Nikki Haley's gotta say goodbye, cut twelve.
8: Look, this thing is over. We know this. This is going to be Nikki Haley's biggest opportunity. She's 10 points down with 50% of the vote in. This is like when you start off on those roller coasters, Sean, and you start really low. That's where she started, 1%, 2%. You crest all the way up. You think things are going well. And then you go over the edge, and it's downhill from there. South Carolina is not going to go well for her. Nevada is not going to go well for her. Florida is not going to go well for her. It's time for the party to unite. This primary is over, but she wants to hang around. So we're going to have to beat her in a couple more states.
3: Yeah, uh, we'll see what happens. It's going to be five long weeks where if she has the money, she'll probably do it. Uh, Man, it's going to get brutal if she has five weeks of calling uh, Trump old, using Democratic talking points. That's the problem. This is what Democrats are saying. You don't don't want to reinforce what Joe Biden's doing. Let Joe Biden do that. in My view, because she is conservative. She does have a track record. She doesn't need to go personal. I don't think. For you? Brian Kilmeade Show.
2: Fox News Radio studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest-growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade.
3: Hi, everyone. Brian Kilmeade here. Thanks so much for listening. I come to you from 48th and Sixth in Midtown Manhattan. Heard around the country, around the world. Back from New Hampshire, where the whole world was focused uh, because those people around the country, around the world. I'm really looking forward to Trump too. Some are, like the Polish president. Some are, like the Hungarian president. I think Saudi Arabia would love to have President Trump back. Let me see. Who else? I'm running out of people. I think, hmm, the Mexican president, Orbador, but he'll be term-limited out. I don't think the president, Lula, will have any love lost for him. The president of Argentina, perhaps. Uh, But that'll be about it. Bottom of the hour, Tudor Dixon will be with us. Remember, she was running uh, for the governor's seat. Now the governor is, uh, Whitmer is somebody that, it's come out in a new book that was supposedly the choice of Joe Biden to be the vice president, but Barack Obama put his hand on the scale. So before we get to Michael Goodwin, let's get to the big three.
2: Now, with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three.
4: Number three. It's called Bidenomics. If you notice, all the major, all the major economists who are talking about there's going to be a recession next week, next month, but all of a sudden, we are seeing the Lord.
3: Yeah, well, they did have a good GDP number at 3.1 percent. Still running on Bidenomics. It's a problem. His own party says it's a problem. His former staffer says it's a problem. Guess who he's speaking today on Bidenomics in Wisconsin?
5: Number two. I think at, at this point right now, the Senate and Congress have to deliver on on a on a comprehensive border security situation. We, we should. Absolutely. And uh, I don't understand why it would be controversial.
3: Because no one believes that you're going to stick with the asylum rules. You stick with the lack of parole. Uh, stick with the all the everything except for giving people visas and not enforcing the border. Uh, border battle heating up on every level. Texas ramps it up in states rights on border security. Biden's court fights let everybody know that he wants it open. This guy's actually fighting in court to release razor wire that would help uh, uh, enforce the border. And you want him to believe he's for enforcing the
1: border? Number one. We've only had two states that have voted. We got 48 more that deserve to vote. So we are not going to sit there and just give up.
3: There you go. Still fighting, but not winning. Nikki Haley continues her battle for the GOP nomination and has uh, gone all over Donald Trump. It's personal. Very interesting. As he goes back to a New York courtroom, does the 45th president, why both should embrace this fight, I really believe. Let's bring in uh, Michael Goodwin, New York Post columnist, uh, and has been writing about the election. Michael, first off, do you think that Nikki Haley's doing the right thing uh, by continuing to fight on?
10: Uh, good morning, Brian. Look, I think she um, is entitled to do this. Uh, you know whether it's right. I think ultimately is going to depend on when the money runs out. Uh, candidates don't stop uh, running when they don't get votes. They stop running when they there's no more money to buy plane tickets and hold rallies and do everything else. So she's apparently got enough money to continue. But <clears throat> excuse me, if she doesn't win South Carolina. Uh, it's hard to see how she goes forward from there. I mean, it's her home state, uh, and yet she trails in virtually every state on the calendar uh, by 30 points or so. Uh, So I'm not sure. She's entitled to run. She obviously has the money to run, but I'm not sure how she sees the race changing. I mean, I would like to know what event, does she think is coming that would suddenly flip the tables on donald trump i mean you know a big uh, he's gotten majority in both states that have we've had these contests so far um does does she think a conviction in one of these cases uh, will make a difference, because there's no, it seems to me, there's none of the criminal cases are going to happen in the next month or so. There's not going to be any rulings. In fact, quite the opposite, perhaps, with Georgia, the mess there. He might get a big break out of uh, the prosecutor's misconduct. So it's it's really hard to see uh, in Nikki Haley what it is that she sees that tells her that this is still possible.
3: Right. One thing she's doing is not pulling back on the personal attacks on the president. I mean, if there's going to be an off-ramp and say, hey, I want to beat this guy, and I think I'm the better candidate, I'm younger, I'm sharper, I think i got better uh, a better vision, and here's why. But the things that would allow her to get back into the fold when she doesn't get the nomination, she's not saying. Cut four.
1: You know, it's interesting, because a few days ago, He was going on and on about me, I mean, for a while, on and on about why I didn't send in security to the Capitol on January 6th. He said it over and over and over and over again. I mean, somebody's got to tell him I wasn't there on January 6th. I've never been at the Capitol working in a job like that. But I think he was a bit confused. And so we'll let that pass.
3: And then she went on to say that that's why I want mental competency tests for anyone over 75. So, listen, obviously the president drops the gloves and attacks people personally more than ever. But you could kind of do that with a front runner because they eventually got to come back to you if they want a role in the administration should you win. If she wants to ever win over MAGA voters and become president in 2028 or beyond, she's going to have to find a way to let them know she's not anti-Trump.
10: Yeah, I don't quite understand this this argument that she's making there. I mean, I get it it's kind of funny and there's a zinger in it that, you know, he's getting like Joe Biden. But I'm not sure how that really advances your candidacy. I mean, you're as you say, Brian, you you have to appeal, you have to pull away Trump supporters. Uh, I don't think that's the way of doing it. Now, now, I don't know what the way is. I mean, all the others thought they could do it, too. DeSantis, Christie, Ramaswamy, they all thought that the Trump support was you know, rock solid uh, at some level, maybe 25 percent, but beyond that was soft and could be pulled away. Well, in fact, what has happened, his support has doubled uh, to now it's over 50 in, percent in every primary so far and in all the polls going forward. So I'm not sure. What the theory is, and maybe maybe it's, she's just got some level of brilliance here, but attacking him on competency, kind of trying to get under his skin and make him erupt at her. Uh, I, I mean, w- what I read, what I hear from Trump supporters is they are locked with him, and this kind of side glancing sort of. Just trying to nick away at it. I don't think that's going to convert them, and and that's I'm not sure what argument she could mount that would pull away his support. Uh, she hasn't done it yet. Nobody else has done it yet. Uh, four years in the wilderness hasn't done it. So I'm not sure uh, how she plans on doing this. She
3: did win independence unaffiliated votes. Uh, she did get college educated. Uh, college educated adults do you think that that 's a warning sign for the president?
10: It is uh, and I think it 's always been there uh, that i mean i don 't know that that her getting them was a warning sign that they may not have come out at all, but there 's definitely a deficit. Uh, in his uh, in his party. In other words, he gets the rock solid support. He's getting this majority. So he's going to win the nomination. That that seems almost guaranteed. The question is, can he expand this in light of Joe Biden's problems in light of Kamala Harris? yes yeah. Uh, I mean, all of the, you know, Biden's uh, befuddling nature, uh, his his clear and obvious decline, the, the bad policies. I mean, this Bidenomics argument. I don't know why he's making that. I, I think, you know, someone was telling me yesterday, Brian, that we're all missing a point when we talk about inflation coming down, that, for example, farmers who are planting their next round of crops and will be planting throughout this year, uh, they've already bought at, at these higher rates. They've bought seed fuel all of these things at much higher rates, which they're going to have to pass on when these when they harvest these crops and they go on the market. So that the inflation story, the point being the inflation story has not yet run the full cycle, uh, despite what you're getting these monthly readings of things. It's coming down, but it hasn't it hasn't exhausted yet. Uh, And and I just think that all of these things are going to be factors uh, throughout this 10-month period. And, yes, the president – I was disappointed in his uh, post-speech, in his speech after the caucus. Not smart. Yeah, not smart. Small, small small-minded. And he turned what should have been a victory celebration into a kind of – you know, uh, gotcha moment uh, with her, I mean, going after her dress. And, I mean, it's, it's really small-minded stuff, petty, personal. And that to, him, that, to me, is a huge deficit for him w- with not only parts of his own party, but certainly with independent voters whom he's going to need to attract uh, in the swing states. Right. Uh,
3: I want you to hear what Mark Penn said, cut eleven.
6: Look, when I look at these numbers, he has consolidated his opponents except one, Nikki Haley. He's on the way to winning this nomination, but she is holding the critical swing vote in the election. If he doesn't reconcile with her, it will be a fission that Democrats will be able to exploit in the election with their key issues on abortion, on climate change, and in those suburbs. So he's still got a big job ahead of him. It's not over yet.
3: So he is uh needs a strategy for that. He's got a good team around him. I hope they're looking at that.
10: You know, Brian, um, I was talking to somebody yesterday about uh, the vice presidency, right? So, I mean, that's clearly one of the issues here. Uh, would Nikki Haley be on the ticket with him? Would that, would that address the issue that Mark Penn is talking about? Um, but, you know, there, if you look back, there are all kinds of different criteria for vice presidents. I mean, one of the older forms is the vice president is the bulldog, right? The presidential candidate is, is above it all, somewhat, you know, a a leader, a a kind of figure who draws the country together, whereas the VP is the inside puncher or that kind of thing. Or you have, you know, just somebody from a different region of the country and, or like uh, Mike Pence gave Donald Trump a certain legitimacy among evangelical voters, uh, in particular. Uh, so what is Trump looking for? And if Nikki Haley could provide a big final ingredient to him, uh, then I think both of them would be, uh, you know, wise to now put a cork in this fight if there's any hope of a reconciliation.
3: Yeah, I mean, oh, who would you pick?
10: Well, look, I think she is uh, she is attractive on a number of fronts. Uh, but I mean, one, you know, look, re- Republicans, uh, except for Sarah Palin, have never had a re- uh, a female right uh, on the ticket. Um, certainly, Tim Scott would be a, a path-breaking uh, thing for Republicans. Uh, you know, I I think a Marjorie Taylor Greene or or a Carrie Lake would be very much like Trump, you know, duplicating himself. I don't think it brings you anything new, gives you a new look. Uh, and so I, I think that there are a number of good options, and there are some bad ones.
3: Right. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I, I hear Trump world does not want Nikki Haley.
10: Yeah. Yeah, no, I think the, the personal bitterness between them uh, might foreclose that, and, and that's too bad because if he needs it, uh, he would have to uh, sort of flip on a dime at some point mm-hmm. and make amends with her and she with him. Uh, but, you know, look, remember when, when uh, Reagan, uh, George H.W. Uh, Bush talked about Reagan's voodoo economics, Right. That seemed like that was a breaking. And then Reagan turns around and and selects him as his running mate. And it worked. Uh, So these these things can can be fixed if there's a desire and if there's a sense that it needs to be fixed.
3: All right, Mark. uh, uh, Michael Goodwin, thanks so much. Appreciate it.
10: My pleasure. Thank you, Brian.
3: All right. Next, your calls, is one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Call around the country. I want to get your vision of that. Also, on the border situation, we have states against states. Uh, Texas is uh, is doubling down, and they are just taking care of their own borders, citing constitutional authority. They're backed up by the Oklahoma governor, by the by the uh, governor of Florida, by the governor of Georgia. The country is dividing again, not like it was in eighteen sixty, but it but. It didn't stop the current president for referencing that, which to me is insane. It seems to be happening now like no time I can remember. you will listen to The Brian me Show. Your thoughts next.
2: On the road to 2024.
1: This race is far.
2: She's doing uh, like a speech like she won. She didn't win. She lost. The latest polls, instant analysis.
1: There are dozens of states left to go.
2: And we'll be there for everyone right here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. In this town right now, you will have Democrats say Democrats really want to secure the border
5: while simultaneously
7: Joe Biden is using the courts, suing Texas for enforcing its own border. This doesn't actually make sense. You can't believe in border security while simultaneously refusing to enforce your own border and then threatening Texas when it
2: does its job for you.
3: Uh, so that is J.D. Vance, and that's what's happening. I mean, I'm not kidding. When I when I got up this morning, and started reading what's going on, citing the Constitution and states' rights on how you got to enforce your border. The uh, two days after the Supreme Court ruled against them being able to enforce their own border, but Governor Abbott is using the Constitution to to give Texas uh, the soldier power, and they're saying this: the failure of the Biden administration to fulfill the duties imposed by Article. Uh, Article 4, uh, Article 9, Section 4 has triggered Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3, which reserves the right of self-defense for these reasons. Quote, I have already declared an invasion under Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3, to invoke Texas constitutional uh, authority to defend and protect itself. The authority to... Uh, in the supreme law of the land and supersedes any federal statutes on the contrary. So that's legalese. He breaks it down earlier, tweets it out, and then gets support from Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida, Governor Glenn Youngkin of Virginia, Governor Kristi Noem of South Dakota, Governor Brian Kemp of Georgia, Gianforte of Montana. This is pretty impressive, but it's scary. I mean, the country's literally dividing on this. Roger listening in Daytona Beach, Florida. Hey, Roger.
11: Yes, thank you for taking my call, Brian, the great American historian that you are. Your outstanding guests, Mark Thiessen in particular, spot on in his analysis. Trump can't win again if uh, if he does not bring the suburban women yep. from the swing states in. And if Nikki Haley joins no labels on the top of the ticket and it's Haley Mansion as no labels. Well, she's not going to do it. Party. Evidently,
3: I'll just stop you there. Haley, if you're registered in a party primary, you cannot do the no labels thing. But go ahead.
11: Well, in any case, uh, that h- critical swing segment that L- Trump will lose will make make it impossible for him to win again. You know what's no helping? Talk-
3: you know it's helping him. The illegal immigration thing that's affecting families, uh, and it's <laughs> even going to let him peel off some people in the cities. So well, uh, it, let's it, see if it, he's we, got it. He needs a plan B for the moderates. Absolutely.
11: Why risk the moderate vote? We voted twice in Florida for him, but we're going to vote uh, uh, moderate uh, if, if he doesn't pick the right vice president. And picking picking Haley, I know the base is against it. You know, when we lived in the Midwest, we were very much a part of the base, but our views have moderated since we yeah. came to Florida, and we we are much. Well, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a
3: fan of Nikki Haley. I just don't see synergy between him and the part and the president anymore.
2: Breaking news. Unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show.
9: UAW family, today I'm proud to stand up here with your international executive board and announce that the UAW is endorsing Joe Biden for president of the United States.
3: There you go. Uh, Sean Fain endorses the UAW president. And I tell you, I've never met him, but from his interviews... And the one time I interviewed him, he seems like a really terrible person. Uh, He is endorsing Joe Biden because he picked up on the went on the picket line for 15 minutes and took a side in a very tense, impactful negotiation with all the uh, with all the auto, uh, all the auto presidents. And because of the deal that they cut, a lot of people have been laid off. Sean Fain gives him that uh, not surprising, gives him that endorsement with me in studio. A woman who needs no uh, introduction, former Michigan uh, gubernatorial candidate, very successful podcaster herself, Tudor Dixon. Tudor, welcome
12: back. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
3: What's your reaction to Sean Fain? Number one, taking his time and endorsing Joe Biden.
12: It's not just that. It's that he then came out and said, but the majority majority of our members will not vote for him. They will vote with their pocketbook because they want policies that will work for them. So think about what that means. He is endorsing the machine because the Democrats own the unions. It's not because he has control. The Democrats own him. He embarrassingly came out and said, I have no control over this situation. I'm forced to endorse Joe Biden, even though my and use my members money to help him get elected. Even though though that's not what's best for my members and I know it
3: and to Trump met with him didn't he
12: yes Yes, Trump met with him. Trump came out to Michigan at the same time, said he supports making sure that the the jobs in the automotive industry are not forced to go away because of their climate plan. I mean, that's what Joe Biden is doing. Gretchen Whitmer, they are all forcing this electric car plan. And Ford just said they're they're reducing their manufacturing on electric vehicles because the consumers don't want it.
3: They don't want it. And but didn't he move the electric car plan out of the state? Yeah. No, because oh, yeah. I interviewed the. Uh, Uh, the president of Ford. And he was in Tennessee, I think.
12: Right. Yes. They they put billions into Kentucky and Tennessee because Michigan has the energy costs are too high. And even the government grants that have come out for battery plants, not one of them went to Michigan, even though Gretchen Whitmer is his favorite girl. He didn't choose to give her any money for battery plants.
3: So that whole state is going green. And what people don't understand when you do that or you're pro the, uh, these international trade deals, that is anti-union because unions for American workers. So people are getting a little confused, but the union members aren't confused. They know electric car takes less manpower. Uh, the batteries come from other places. The plant's going to be smaller, and for the most part, these are supplemented from the federal government. So it's not a fair fight.
12: And the interesting part about it, it takes more energy to create an electric vehicle. And so when energy costs are going up in a green state, then you can't build the plants. You can't build the factories in the state of Michigan because it's not cost effective because you have to use so much energy to make these cars. It's crazy to think about it. We are running our own legacy industry out of the state right now and all manufacturers because you can't manufacture with a windmill or a solar panel.
3: So, you know, you tried to be governor, you had momentum, you had the president behind you. Uh, The president did not win Michigan last time, but he's winning it this time. Uh, Do you believe these polls? I mean, you're on the ground. I mean, you you don't need any rose-colored glasses. What's the reality?
12: We are early on. I believe the polls right now because the messaging hasn't come out from the Democrats. You see Gretchen Whitmer starting to roll up her stories about abortion. Abortion is big. She's talking. She's on MSNBC saying Biden has to talk more about abortion. That's all he
0: talks about.
12: Oh, she's you know, she believes that's how she I mean, it is how she won. Let's face it. It is a scare tactic. Your rights are being taken away. If you can come out and say someone's taking some right then people will vote against that. You know, We don't want to have our rights taken away. It's a manipulation, and they haven't started their education campaign. They're waiting. They want Trump in there because they have all of the ammunition to run these ads and target people and say he's a bad guy and he's going to do this. They've already started the abortion ad that says, that, you know, I had to leave my state. It's a woman who says I had to leave my state because of Donald Trump overturning Roe v. Wade. So they're coming for him. I think the polls are right right now. It's going to be a battle like we have never seen. We're right neck and neck.
3: So the one thing he was not figuring is nobody knew about October 7th and the president backing Israel, which is the right thing to do. But going half ass into it is typical him. And now that's militarized uh, and radicalized some of the Muslim community in your state. How much of a how much of a problem is this for the Democratic Party?
12: I think it's a huge problem. You've got Rashida Tlaib there who is leading the charge. I mean, Joe Biden yesterday says that it was a MAGA heckler that came to his speech and said, ceasefire, ceasefire. This man has his own staff on his White House lawn out there with masks on because they don't want to be seen saying, we don't believe in what you're doing in Israel.
3: The people that you picked to work for you have so little regard for you, they're protesting against you.
12: Yeah, at your house. Yes, yes, it is. And so that is a huge problem in Michigan because we have a very big Muslim population, a very big uh, Jewish population. Those two factions are very much against each other. It puts Michigan in an interesting political situation, certainly for Republicans, whether it is on the presidential or the Senate race. And I don't think we're getting enough attention that we have an open Senate seat right now. And Michigan is not going well for Democrats.
3: Well, What about you? Are you going to run
12: again? We will see how things go in the in state of cycle? Michigan. Yeah, I'm watching. I mean, and I'm playing. Uh, you know, we have a lot of work that we're doing on the behind the scenes in, in races in Michigan to change the way we run races. I told you, you know, I look at what we used for messaging in my race and how we ran ads. It was wrong. I learned a lot. I want to take what I learned and help people in the state. What was wrong to win. about it? We, had, we should have hit her more on COVID. We should have hit her on her record. We should have targeted people with ads. We shouldn't have spent our money on broadcast. People aren't connected to that anymore. They used connected TVs. They use their mobile phones. We had the opportunity to get the message directly to them about what she would do with their money. She had a state of the state last night, and it was like Oprah's favorite things. I'm giving you this. I'm giving you that. But the problem is at the end of the day, you walk out with the bill. You know, she says she's giving away free preschool, free uh, college education. That's, there's no free free with the government. We're paying for that. She's building houses. She's taking a billion and a half dollars to build houses in the state of Michigan. This is socialism. Since when does the government build houses? She has no plan for growth in the state. And so those are the things we should have hit her on. Education is at an all time low. We didn't hit her on this stuff. We made that mistake. I won't let people in Michigan make that mistake again. And
3: she's on. Is she term limited?
12: Yes, this is the end. Okay. Well, so, then, I, I believe she'll go to Washington.
3: And as you know, there's a book out now that says that she was Joe Biden's pick, and that Barack Obama said you have to pick Kamala Harris, and he didn't. He ends up giving in to Barack Obama. What do you think the reality is? What, what do you? How do you? What do you know about
12: that? We had heard on the ground that her staff was already in D.C with realtors picking out places to live, that that she had been told by Joe Biden that she was the pick. And then he came back to her and said, sorry, we have to go with the diverse pick. You are not the choice. And I think that since then, he's felt indebted to her. She's the co-chair of his campaign. I believe that Michigan is just a uh, in the background for her now. She's planning on a cabinet position or something if she's not running for president, if he lives
4: if he survives,
12: yeah.
3: I mean, you can imagine what a swap that would be. The first minority woman vice president gets swapped out for a Michigan governor. I, I don't see that happening. No, they can't do that. They right. can't do
12: that. But she's going to be given something big. I don't. I don't think she's in Michigan for the next two years. They they put Gilchrist in her her lieutenant governor, and then she moves on.
3: So this line five, tell me the impact of it. It goes underneath, uh, the Great Lakes. It goes right into Michigan. And suddenly she might cut it off from Canada?
12: Yeah, so Enbridge, the company that owns it, said, we will encase it. We'll make sure we have a cement tunnel under the water. We'll encase it. It will be as safe as possible. It is the safest way to transport this as it is. If we if we shut transport down... Transport energy. Energy, yes. If we tr- if we shut this down, we're moving 2,500 trucks of, of oil a day through Michigan. Impossible. You can't do that. So she, But that's what their plan is. She and the liberals in Wisconsin are working. They have, right now, they have the okay to shut it down. If they shut it down, 60% of the people who heat their homes in the UP, they don't have any hope except for a truck traveling across the Mackinac Bridge every day. Give me a break. How dangerous is that? Other than that, we could put it on a barge in in Lake Michigan. That's also incredibly environmentally unsafe. There is no solution. These are radical political policies to pander to people who are environmentalists that have no plan of safety.
3: So uh, you mentioned before about Sean Fain not not voting for Trump. Here's what he said to Neil Cavuto.
9: Let me be clear about this. A great majority of our members will not vote for President Biden. Uh, Yes, some will. Uh, But that's the reality of this. Uh, The majority of our members are going to vote their paychecks. They're going to vote for an economy that works for them and they're going to vote for a president. When you look at these two presidents, the choice is very clear about which one stands up with the working class and stands up for labor, and which one stands for the billionaire class, and that's his base.
3: Wow. So Trump made the effort. It's hard to say he's not a blue collar president and he's making him earn it, but he's saying that I could whatever I say, I'm they're gonna do whatever they want.
12: But I took that as he's saying I mean, Biden's the one that stands with the billionaires. No one has come to Trump's aid and said, I'm going to fund him. In fact, billionaires have said we're stepping away from Trump. So he I heard him literally say the guy who is going to work for my members is Donald Trump. But somehow I was forced to endorse Joe Biden. What do they have over these union bosses, whether it is the teachers union or the UAW? These guys, for some reason, take paycheck money from their members and hand it over to somebody who creates policy that closes their plants down and they lose jobs because of it. It's pretty sick.
3: It is pretty insane. But my hope is when you actually see that the windmills aren't working like off the coast of New Jersey, when you see that. Uh, the electric cars aren't effective, like they're, fall, they're, they're not working when, when the Midwest gets freezing. People are not going to deal with this. Like when the UP, Upper Peninsula, doesn't have oil and gas, gonna, what, what are you doing? If people effectively say if you shut down Line 5, what it does to the Midwest and how this is a political play that's not going to pay off. See, it's not like it's not a choice of technology. The green technology is not there.
12: By the time you see it, we're broke. And the problem with that is that the reason that third world countries continue in the situation they are in is because they don't have access to energy. Energy is the lifeblood of the world. That is how you you are financially prosperous. We will not have that in Michigan, but by the time we see it, it'll be too late. The hope that we have is that Governor Whitmer just signed a bill that will take away local control. So you talk about windmills off the coast of New Jersey. Now we're talking about putting windmills all along the coast of Lake Michigan. The people in those communities, that's our tourism. That's how we make money. There's no way they're going to be okay with all of a sudden these windmills going up. Once they see that, they'll say, these Democrats don't have our best intentions in mind. We are suddenly have oil dripping out of these into our lakes. Give me a break. This is an environmental disaster. They don't care about the environment. They'll do that. They bring in the Chinese battery plant into the state of Michigan right on our major water source, and no environmental testing for that plant. Every other American company has environmental testing, but not that when one. What was that? That w- th- This just happened in the last year. And we exposed this story. Fox helped us bring the story out. I thought we stopped it. The battery plant will still be built. They overturned their entire town council in the in the last election, and they're still working to shut it down. But she has Whitmer has stood by it. So she still has them coming. It's still coming.
3: So, I mean, that's one thing that someone like you or any Republican should be right in front of that plant. President Trump. The next day, Mike Rogers, who wants to be the next senator, should be right there and say, is this okay with you?
12: A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. These are this is what I'm saying about Republican messaging. We've got to be hitting hard on the things that are hurting Americans every day, whether it is hurting our water, our farmland, our pocketbook, our national security. Those are the things that we know how to fix. And we're not talking about it. I mean, for all the issues on on parents' rights, you know, I'm a huge advocate for that. But that's not winning elections because people want to make sure that things that affect them every single day day in their pocketbook whether it's their their children's safety for policing or drinking water we're talking about those things that's where we need to be
3: all right um tutor i've used a couple more things i want you to hear this you mentioned that governor whitmer had an address last night state of the state this was part of her introduction on free junior college the hey
1: dish.
7: governor whitmer how's it going
12: Hi, Professor Potato.
7: This year, we will work together to make the first two years of community college tuition free for every high school graduate.
12: That's right, Professor. Michiganders will save an average of four thousand dollars as they earn their associate's degree. Hey,
7: that isn't small potatoes. That's a big deal.
12: Later, Tater.
3: So how wh- how we do, what was the point of that?
12: This is because the new generation, everybody, I mean, I talked to a professor a couple of weeks ago, and he said, when I ask kids now what they want to be when they grow up, they say famous. She's playing into that. She's trying to be famous. She's trying to be a famous politician. But let's not forget this communications team that she's built that is so big and, and creating these videos that take a lot of effort. I mean, you have to digitally create a potato. Yeah, right. We're paying for that. Right. That's coming right out of the budget. Our taxpayer dollars went to create this embarrassing, and it's embarrassing. I mean, it's one thing if you do something funny. This is humiliating. I
3: agree, Tudor. Stick around a couple more minutes when we come back, and then what are you going to be on tonight?
12: I will be on tonight, uh, Cudlow. Cudlow, yes.
3: Larry Cudlow, yes. You have to use both
12: names, Larry Cudlow. Back in a moment.
2: Newsmakers and newsbreakers here at first on the Brian Kilmeade Show. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
9: In 2019, our members were out there holding the line at GM on a national strike for 40 days. Trump was the sitting president. He said nothing. He did nothing. Not a damn thing because he doesn't care about the American worker.
3: Uh, That is Sean Fain. He's got a few different personalities. Did you notice? (laughs) Uh, Tudor Dixon is here, ran for governor, is in New York City. He's got a very successful podcast. Tudor, so what do we believe? Do we believe the guy that was talking to Neil Cavuto? Or do we know the guy who's uh, suing the president uh, for walking the picket line?
12: No, we program. support the we, – we know that the guy who's talking about what his members will do is the truth. That's the truth. He's admitting that his members need somebody who's going to support them. I'm telling you the Democrat machine is so strong when it comes to, hey, it's time to pay up. We're going to send our henchmen to break your knees or you give us the money. They want the, the union money. For some reason, these unions give them billions of dollars to run for office, and they're not going to let that go. The Democrats are not going to be like, okay, you chose President Trump – For some reason, they must have something that they've got holding over his head. But he's out there admitting his members will vote for Trump.
3: How do you feel about Nikki Haley hanging in there?
12: Look, I think it's really hard to ever tell anybody it's your time to leave. If you've run for office, you know that that's the hardest decision you can make to walk out of a race. Because it's not just people say, oh, this is arrogant. This is her. You have so many people that you've promised I'm going to do this for you. You've had so many people say, I need you. You've taken money from people. It is a personal decision. You have to sit by yourself. Your family members can't make it. Your advisors can't make it. You have to go, okay, I have to go out there and look at the people that said, we've got your back and say, I'm stepping away from you.
3: Right. Do You get to keep the money, right?
12: you don't get to keep the money personally. I mean, right. it, you have to figure out how that works in a political sense.
3: But, yeah, I mean, you don't cash in on it. But if you want to run again, right? it's important if you're in a fruitless campaign and you have ambition after, don't overspend and then wish you had that money.
12: Well, that's the – see, this is what I think will happen. I don't know. But this is my theory. In the next few weeks, she has to put a lot of money into South Carolina. You don't want to go to your home state and be blown out. If in a few weeks it shows it's not going to be a good thing – she has to bow up before she embarrasses herself. All right, there.
3: good luck on Larry Cudlow. You're going to be on Jimmy Fayla over the weekend, yes. right? Yes. So that'll be great. Two to Dixon, thanks so much. Thank you. All right, keep it here. It's the Brian Kill Me show. Double.
2: News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Brian
3: Kilmeade here. Thanks so much for listening. We have a lot to discuss this hour, a lot of things moving parts. Going to be great to talk to Jamie Metzel shortly. You know, Jamie's a great friend of the show, member of the WHO, uh, WHO Advisory Committee, senior fellow at the Atlantic Council, former National Security Council official with the Clinton administration, and Riley Gaines, author of. Happy, uh, uh, happy No Snakes Day. She's going to be with us, too. Bradley Gaines, the outstanding college swimmer uh, who took on that whole trans-athlete situation. Because, believe it or not, some women want to compete against other women at the high level. Let's get to the
4: Big Three.
2: Now, with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's
4: Big Three. Number three. It's called Bidenomics. If you notice, all the major, all the major economists we're talking about, there's going to be a recession next week, next month. All of a sudden, they're seeing the Lord. Really?
3: Let's see about that. But once again, the president tone deaf, in my view, maybe not yours, is out there talking about Bidenomics. He spent $40 million uh, this summer spending, uh, selling Bidenomics. And it lost percentages of approval rating. But now he's got GDP numbers that are favorable. Let's see if that changes.
5: Number two. I think at, at this point right now, the Senate and Congress have to deliver on, on, a, on a comprehensive border security s- situation. We, we should, absolutely. And uh, I don't understand why it would be controversial.
3: Uh, that is uh, John Fetterman, the border battle heating up on every level. Texas ramping up its state's rights on the border security. Biden's court fights uh, are continuing, and so is the Trump court fights. He is back in court today. So that is what they're looking for, a broader bill, and all sides have problems with it, even though it's not even released yet. But the main one Republicans have, a trust that the president really wants to enforce the border because of the way he's pushing back on Texas, who are enforcing the border.
1: Number one. We've only had two states that have voted. We got 48 more that deserve to vote. So we are not going to sit there and just give up.
3: Well, see, that is the uh, former governor of South Carolina in South Carolina, still fighting, but not winning. Nikki Haley continues to battle for the nomination. That is her right. I think Trump should embrace that, but focus on the national matchup, because that's what Joe Biden is working on. That'll actually help the president uh, think bigly, if I could choose his word. Uh, With me right now is Jamie Metzl. Jamie, welcome back.
0: Thanks, Brian. Happy to be here.
3: Uh, Hey, Jamie, no one's talking about it now, but do you think China's watching the lack of support that Ukraine is suddenly getting? You think they're watching how Iran is ratcheting up things on us through their surrogates?
0: Absolutely, Brian. I know you've been a big advocate of support for the people of Ukraine who are fighting for their freedom and and independence. It's all one struggle. Uh, everybody is watching everyone. Iran is watching Ukraine and Taiwan. Uh, China uh, is watching uh, Ukraine and Iran, and Russia is, is watching um, uh, Taiwan and, and what's happening in Israel. And we need to, we need to stand strong on each one of these of these fronts, because if we just pick and choose and we say, all right, we're supporting Israel, but Ukraine is on its own. We're going to have a, a problems that are going to be going to be global. So you've had it exactly right from the beginning. Uh, what's happening is there is an assault on freedom, on democracy by China, Russia, and Iran. And the United States and our allies need to call this with the evil for what it is and stand up to it.
3: And we also uh, note the alliance. North Korea is yep. providing the artillery. The Russians yep. seem to be providing the intelligence. Uh, yep. China uh, weapons have turned up uh, in Gaza uh, with the, in the hands of Hamas. That is certainly uh, for real. And we also yep. know that uh, the Houthi rebels are almost solely backed by China, excuse me, by Iran. By Iran. And guess yep. what? Uh, they were trying to get the attention. The Saudis were trying to get our attention on this. But this administration totally reversed the policy and told the Saudis you better stand down and told the Houthis you no longer are the terrorist. So that has been an epic disaster.
0: Yeah, so I mean the Houthis. I mean, yes, we can say that we have a conflict with the, with the Houthis, uh, but the Houthis are a creation of Iran. Uh, they're controlled by Iran. They're armed by Iran. So we just need to be honest about who we have this conflict with. And if we're just bombing a, a bunch of stuff in the desert in Yemen, it, we we probably need to do that because of these attacks. But we need to make pretty clear to Iran that attacks by the Houthis uh, will be perceived as attacks by Iran. We need to be smart and strategic, um, but we need to make clear uh, to Iran that enough is enough.
3: Sweden looks like they're going to get admission into NATO, and they've made the statement, as is Norway and Finland, that they really expect the Russians to make a move on those fronts in the next couple of years. I think they have a couple of years. The the ramifications of attacking a NATO nation hit home. Don't you think the administration should be uh, making that known that the Russian plans to move forward are not only uh, thought to be concrete, but thought to by the people who are on the border of Russia? And that if if a ally is hit, we are treaty obligated to respond and that it, you could walk away from Ukraine, but you just be postponing a major war that we have to be involved in?
0: Absolutely, Brian. Uh, right now, there are major NATO military exercises in the region in order to deliver that uh, that message. And I guarantee you, as you know, as you said in the intro, the Russians are watching our politics. And every day that Congress doesn't support uh, the, the uh, arms for Ukraine that are so badly needed, <clears throat> when they see American politicians uh, like Donald Trump and some of his surrogates, uh, supporting Victor Orban and saying, hey, this isn't our our, our struggle. Um, it's really dangerous. We need to make clear across the board, Democrats, Republicans, independents, everybody, that America stands for something. It stands for freedom. Uh, it stands uh, for democracy. and we are going to do everything possible to support the brave people in Ukraine in Ukraine who aren't just fighting for themselves, they're fighting for us. They're fighting. It's like the um, the, whatever, the wall from Game of Thrones. They are fighting to protect us. And if we don't win that struggle, exactly as you said, we're going to be having to fight struggles that are much closer to home with actual American soldiers fighting in Europe. And if we don't want that in the future, we need to hold strong now.
3: Well, I also think that people are watching and seeing us strung out, knowing that China and Russia to some degree are pulling the strings and trying to distract us Shouldn't we have a grand plan on how to not let go of the Pacific, knowing we've got limited assets, by the same time responding to threats in the Middle East?
0: Yeah, uh, completely. And that's why the United States, as as strong as we are, and we have the strongest military in in the history of of humans on on planet Earth, uh, we can't do it alone. And that's why allies and partners uh, are so important. And all of our allies are watching us to say, hey, will we stand by – our allies? Will we stand by our treaty commitments uh, in uh, in Europe to uh, to NATO? Because together, America and our allies and partners are much more powerful uh, than Russia, China, and Iran, but we need to, to stay together. And that's why I, I definitely think that the messages of strength are really important, but also those need to be tied to messages of unity and collaboration with our allies, and, and, and Europe is starting to get it. Uh, Donald Trump was right. I mean, as always, he didn't say it artfully, uh, but in this case, he was right, saying, hey, Europe isn't uh, carrying its load um, for the, the common defense. Europe needs to spend much more on its, on developing its uh, military capabilities, do more, and Germany is, it has this hangover because they were living in this fantasy world um basically with uh, under the US security umbrella feeling like they didn't have any enemies and they could just you know not arm themselves and be beneficiaries of trade with with uh, Russia and China without any any responsibility so i think that we really need to make sure that the message is we need to stand tall and everybody on in this camp of freedom and and democracy has an important role to play
3: yeah i guess we'll see what's going to happen uh, one thing is is pretty clear. Getting everyone to pay 2% is important. And what people at home should be listening to, as Mark Thiessen outlined brilliantly, he said, yep. look, uh, if Latvia, uh, if Estonia, if Poland, uh, if all these other countries see the threat, guess what they're going to need? Patriot missiles. Yep. They're not asking yep. for gifts. They will write the yep. check, especially yep. healthy economies like Norway and Sweden. So you could say we get rid of our old stuff. We bring in the new stuff. We have customers pay for their stuff. And this yep. is a this is a win for everybody.
0: Yep. No, it's it's such an essential message, Brian. Again, you've been steadfast uh, on it, um, and, but it's really worrying to hear the voices in our in our democracy, in our government, in our, in our elected officials saying, "Hey, uh, enough is enough with um, with Ukraine. You know, we shouldn't be fully supporting, arming, helping arm uh, Israel. We shouldn't be." uh supporting and, and helping um, arm taiwan it's all this is all one struggle if we lose anywhere we're likely to lose everywhere and we have the means uh to hold strong as we have done for many decades uh since the end of, of world war ii but to do it and it's why i'm always so happy to speak with you brian we need to invest in our commonalities democrats like me and republicans like you we, we may not agree on everything but there's a whole lot that we can agree on as patriotic Americans um, wanting our country to be as, as uh, effective and powerful and prosperous right. and values-driven as possible. And so we need to invest in those things because if we become this tribal nation of all these different tribes with no common ground and anybody who, who reaches across uh, the aisle to try to build a coalition gets hit on the head – uh, regardless of the uh, of the underlying issues, that that's going to be very dangerous for us and for the world.
3: So let's talk about China for a second. And people are starting to talk about what WHO is WHO's doing, trying to make uh, try maneuver to the fact is next time there's a pandemic, they will make the rules on what we here in the U.S. will be able to do or not do. You
0: know, it's a double edged sword on this sovereignty issue. On one hand, the reason why the WHO couldn't be very effective in the earliest days of the pandemic is they have almost no authority. And so when China was lying, um, they weren't able to to have their own investigative authority. Um, When China blocked the WHO investigators from going to Wuhan, even though there were some really questionable things about it, there was nothing uh, that the WHO could do. So we've all suffered because the who isn't empowered Um, but if we build a who with the authorities to do things like do its own investigations when something suspicious is happening in uh in china that will infringe on national sovereignty everywhere including our own and i I don't have a, a, a perfect answer for that but we but it's in all of our interest right to have a who that can get answers uh, and do some basic things that need to be done on 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 a global right. level. But, but, but you know what, the, Jamie? They lost
3: balance. me the way they uh, when they spend the first six months of the pandemic praising China, and they didn't, didn't demand inspection. I don't want those people in control of anything I'm doing. And this guy is not even a doctor who's running the place. But Jamie, well, doctor,
0: doctor
8: Tedros.
3: Doctor Tedros, what does he do? What kind uh, he's of a doctor.
0: Day? No, he's 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 a doctor. He's a, he's a friend of mine, and and he's a great guy. Um, but what I will say is that the. That the WHO, it's it's is they're kind of in a no-win situation because for them to have the authorities to do the job, they need to have those authorities. But if they do have them, there are lots of people who who don't trust uh, who don't trust what they're uh, what they're doing. So it's there's no easy answers to it. Our country has been struggling with this issue since the League of Nations, which uh, we which we rejected in, after World War One. And then with World War II, there was kind of a a fudge between national sovereignty and international obligations. So these these answers aren't easy, um, but I think we have to wrestle with them to try to get to the right answer.
3: Right. So, Jamie, uh, the last minutes we have remaining, we have opportunity. The Russians lost 300,000 fighters in Ukraine, and there's uh, some unrest within their country that could be exploited, number one. Number two is China's economy is not reviving. Uh, yep. And it's probably worse. Whatever we get, it's probably worse than they know. People have lost their ambition. A whole generation is not pursuing jobs like they used to. There are not opportunities like there were. Construction is falling through the uh, through the floor. Real estate doesn't really exist at this moment. They overbuilt for the population yep. that's decreasing. There are There are five alarm fires inside China. How do we best take advantage of that?
0: So, you're absolutely right. People have thought for a long time that, oh, China, it's just going to get better and stronger and we're going to get weaker and weaker. And it's inevitable that China is taking over the world. It's not at all. They have terrible weaknesses and terrible flaws. And it all starts with their politics. I mean, when you go to China and Tiananmen Square, you see the portrait of Mao Zedong um, hanging. He's responsible for the deaths of 47 million Chinese people, so the entire Chinese Communist Party is based on a foundation of lies and murder and uh, and repression, and so definitely we need to hold strong and and uh, not let uh, China do these things that they're getting away with, and whether it's on trade or aggression in the South China Sea or Taiwan or all, all sorts of other things and The other thing that we need to do is we need to invest in making America As strong as it can be. And that means with a flourishing, strong democracy, a flourishing, strong economy. And politics are a healthy part of our democracy. um, But we need to prevent our our, uh, politics from becoming a a dumpster fire of tribalist destruction. And and so there have been times when we've come together um, as in the Second World War and other times, we say, hey, we have a big job to do. We recognize we have differences, and we need to respect those differences and negotiate them. Um, but we need to find a way. I mean, government is about compromise, and we can't all right. be extremists on one side or, or, or the other. We need to find the best way forward together. We are blessed in this country with incredible geography, incredible people, the most talented people in the world. If you're not already here— most doesn't want to come here. Right. We've got everything, um, but we need to make sure that our gotcha. processes are making us stronger and not weaker.
3: He is Jamie Metzel. Jamie, thanks so much. Appreciate it.
0: My pleasure, Brian. Anytime.
3: Great segment. Uh, when we come back, your turn. And then bottom of the hour, uh, Riley Gaines. Brand new book out, and she's got a great message. Don't move. Brian Kilmeade Show.
2: It's Brian Kilmeade. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
0: We haven't seen a whole lot of Melania lately. She's not
8: been on the campaign trail, but Brian Kilmeade of Fox & Friends believes she's about to step up and play
4: a bigger role. She always did play a big role. She was uh, somebody that you could rely on.
8: I assume they haven't spoken in years. And then Kilmeade took the opportunity to kiss Trump's sizable but slightly less sizable now ass. You look like you're in fighting shape. How much weight did you lose?
3: Yeah, so that's Jimmy Kimmel uh, has what they have one track, and it's all anti-Trump, as um, yeah, I don't want to we're probably not going to play him on our show again. Uh, Riley Gaines is coming up shortly, and she's got a brand new book out, "Happy No Snakes Day," uh, which is fantastic, as well, along with her message, too. And, and by the way, uh, we will keep you up to date on what's happening. The one thing I could tell you as I was coming up here, the one thing Donald, D- Donald Trump will have to deal with, the numbers are looking better when it comes to the economy. It's growing at 3.1%. That is pretty impressive. The problem with the president's speech today and the forefront is that no one really feels it. And the studies within those numbers don't reflect the numbers that we're all seeing. That's made Donald Trump come out and say, I don't believe any of those numbers, which is problematic in its own right. Keep it here.
2: He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade.
3: Hey, with me in studio is a very familiar face. If you're uh, smart enough to be watching on Fox Nation or on the Fox News app, you just click on watch and just swipe until you get to radio. Is Riley Gaines, author of Happy No Snakes Day. It's a a children's book that she has out now, uh, which is a great theme. And you know Riley Gaines. She's also on OutKick. Uh, where she has a show, uh, Gains for Girls. Riley, welcome. Great to see you in studio.
13: Yes, thank you so much for having me. Are
3: you excited to have the launch of your first book?
13: I am so excited. Um, I think this is, uh, and you know this, uh, we've really reached a precipice. Um, We need alternative companies and alternative uh, organizations who are pushing against I would call them cultural fads that we're seeing. So you think of things like Brave Books, which is who this book is with. You think of things like Patriot Mobile or Nimi Skincare. I mean these these groups that are pushing back, Uh, and that's exactly what this is. This is a book that teaches children about the importance of standing up for the truth uh, despite being afraid. So, yeah, it was super fun to write. The illustrations are just awesome, uh, and I'm very excited. What
3: ages are you targeting with the book?
13: Um, elementary school kids, um, what we're seeing be targeted towards elementary school kids, you know, in these different libraries and things. Uh, you've got, I mean, the cover of these books, it's kids looking down their pants and all this crazy stuff. Um, but this is not what, your book, not my book, not my book. Um, no, this is this is what elementary school kids need to be reading and younger. Parents can read these to kids who, who can't yet read.
3: Right. And it isn't just about uh, knowing your gender. No. This is just <laughs> about speaking up.
13: Absolutely. Uh, it's just about the virtue of speaking the truth. Right. Um, brave books, uh, they are very pro-God. They're pro-America, which is something that seems to be lacking in corporate America nowadays. Uh, so, yeah, that's what this book is about.
3: All right. So, so Riley, for you, uh, what has the last couple of years been like for you? How is it so dramatically different from when you were swimming, looking to finish out? And you told me, I think, that you were going to be a dentist or a dental hygienist. <laughs>
13: Yeah, uh, what I wanted to specialize in actually was endodontics, which is like root canals. I'd already put my deposit down, accepted my seat into dental school, taken the DAT and scored in the top percentile nationally. Could have gone anywhere I wanted for dental school. Um, But now here we are. And, man, this is never a position that you could imagine yourself in or that you could really even be prepared for. And truthfully, almost kind of ashamedly, I didn't have any sort of background in, in understanding our government or civil process or civics in general uh I knew we had three branches. That's quite literally it. And so I've I've been so eye open this past year and a half really um and understanding how our government works, the political sphere, uh the media. I mean, gosh, I've I've just been eye opened and once you are eye opened, it's really hard to turn away. And you didn't? No. You, you dug in. Absolutely. Um that's that's really what I've dedicated myself to now is fighting back, um, pushing against uh, again, the media, corporate America, academia even, it's been super fun, I'll, I'll say, to watch kind of the dismantling of even these institutions that once would be called prestigious, Harvard, UPenn, MIT, there's there's many more to expose. Um, it's infiltrated into every realm. Uh, the left has seemingly overtaken the public square. And so we need people who are I won't say unafraid because there are fears, uh, but we need people who are courageous, who, despite being afraid, stand up for what is true and what is right and what between, is fair
3: and what is just. Yeah, between the, what's happened in sports, and we'll get into that, but also what's happened since the October 7th attacks. Right. It's exposing you. I mean, you're smart enough and athletic enough to play Division one uh, to swim Division one and to get to the University of Pennsylvania and excel. So all those things are extremely rare. but. Were you uh, aware of the left-wing bias that was taking place?
13: I knew media bias in general existed, um, but, oh, my gosh, I did not understand to the extent. Um, even, yeah, speaking of what's going on, um, what has gone on since October 7th, if you watch the two main media outlets, Fox versus CNN, one will say the war in Israel and one will say the war on Israel – and it's such a small, subtle difference, but those things matter. And so now that I've noticed it, yeah, it's it's just impossible not to notice. And I feel compelled, really. I feel responsible in sharing this kind of knowledge to people my age, especially, right. being 23, you know, college age, Gen Z people, uh, they're not keeping up, uh, which they need to be because ultimately this is going It's – we're going to be left with – this country, it's, right. it's, we are the future.
3: And the thing that I think is so just uh, alarming is, okay, not so much me and you disagree, but I want to destroy you for disagreeing with me. Excuse me? What are you trying to do? I, I'm, I'm literally canceled? You know, the the governor of... North Carolina was just on. Now he's with no labels. And he said, you know, they, I literally was one of the first canceled because he believed that men and women should use separate bathrooms. Yeah. How crazy is that?
13: No, I know. We've we've reached that point. Uh, and it, they'll really stop it. There's no links they won't go to in my own personal experience. I have had – I've been spit on. I've had drinks poured on me. I've had glass bottles thrown at me. I've been punched by men who are – Wearing dresses, which fortunately for me, their punches don't actually hurt that bad. Um, I've been held for ransom for over four hours where these protesters demanded that if I wanted to make it home to see my family safely again, I had to pay them money. And all for saying men and women are different. I've had people show up at my house. I mean, I've had people stake outside my hotel rooms saying the most obscene, awful, profane things you could possibly imagine. It's it's wild.
3: And and your thought was instead of backing up, I'm, I'm doubling down.
13: Yeah, it should. It's really kind of reassuring, truthfully. Um, and it took me a while to to get to that point where I could understand this. But when they're so desperate to keep you quiet, it means you're right over the target and they don't waste ammunition on targets that they don't want to hit.
3: Riley Gaines is with me now. Her children's book is out with a great message. Happy No Snakes Day. And it's really for kids to show some courage in school to stand up what they think, uh, what they believe in and not be bullied. But I would. But this whole transgender thing, uh, people try to say, well, you're a la- There's a lack of tolerance for people. You don't know understand what people are going through uh, when they want to have their gender identity. And once they go through it, why can't they play sports like you? What is your answer to that?
13: Well, first of all, women should not be just reduced down to merely a testosterone level. That's what we're seeing a lot of these governing bodies like USA Boxing. What the
3: hell is that? I'm
13: still trying to figure that one out. I mean, that's that's the most crazy thing. Um, in the name of progress, weirdly enough, uh, we are glorifying men for punching women in the face, um, giving them prize money and titles and, and championship belts. I mean, that's that's. That's just – it would be objectively funny if there weren't real consequences right. because it's like a Saturday Night Live Because skit. these are
3: train fighters. Right. So you, right. you learn to be a train fighter as a man. You become a woman, vice versa. Regardless, you spend eight hours a day learning to, yeah. to hit other people.
13: Yep, yep, yep. So – but anyways, despite that, men and women are inherently and innately different. Um, More than just the testosterone level, you have things like lung size or or heart size or, of course, height, limb length. I mean, the list goes on of these differences, even in swimming, my sport. um, It might not seem like a big deal, but men have, on average, a 40 percent larger throat than women. And that matters when you're grasping for air. Um, And that's not going to change with testosterone suppression. So these these differences, um, they are there. They are real. God, when he created man and woman. Um, that should be really the only distinction that we need.
3: So t- today, I just picked up this story. At Rockers Island, a former prisoner in a women's jail is suing New York City for allegedly j- and their jail staff for ignoring her warnings back last year that a transgender woman housed among females was actually a man pretending to be a woman. According to the suit, the victim was not only believed that the alleged not only believed that the alleged perpetrator was lying about their gender identity, but the prison was purposely instructed to claim that he was transgender by the DOC staff so they could stay in the female dorm where he would have access to female inmates. And you said to me what when I told you this story?
13: Well, first of all, this is not unique to just New York. In, in New York prisons alone, they have posted placards, and they're all women's prisons about Pregnancy prevention. And they're all women's prisons. It's happening in New Jersey, Ohio, Kansas, and California. Of course, in California. Uh in recent weeks there was over, I believe, sixteen hundred men in the state of California apply to be in women's prisons. And yeah, these are men who are convicted of heinous things such as kidnapping, child pornography, rape. And they're getting into these women's prisons. And they are raping these inmates, these female inmates. Um but I, I mean, truthfully, can we even be surprised? By this, when these are the systems that we have in place, how can they, how, how do they not think people are going to take advantage? They're
3: already prisoners. They'll do anything Absolutely. to to cheat the system. Yeah, yeah. Why would they say, "Let my incarceration be something more enjoyable"?
13: <laughs> Absolutely. Right. And that that's what's going to continue happen. And you know how many women who have now suddenly identified as men to get into men's prisons? Uh, yeah, zero. <laughs> Absolutely zero. Zero. Yeah.
3: <laughs> no kidding. Uh, so that's what we're seeing now. Uh, are you still swimming?
13: Here and there, um, I uh, not necessarily competitively, but I'm doing some running and marathons and triathlons and I, I still love competing. I really, I love to win. Right. <laughs> so yeah, here and there.
7: So you got out of the
3: water, but you're still competing. Absolutely. Triathlon should be right up your alley. The hardest thing is to swim.
13: Well, <laughs> I beg to differ. That bike, it gets me. Does
3: the bike get you? The bike
13: gets me. I know. I wow. know.
3: I thought the bike would be the easiest for you.
13: I know. I know. How? Uh, what is
3: it? Two and a half miles for an average triathlon? Uh, well, it depends. It
13: you have different distances. And so a sprint triathlon is 400 meters swimming. I think it's 12 miles biking and then a 5K, but I prefer the Olympic distance, which is 800, half a mile swim. Uh, I think 25 ish miles on a bike and then a six mile run.
3: Are you even winded after a half mile swim?
13: No, that takes me like less than 10 minutes. Oh maybe. my goodness.
3: <laughs> yeah. And you, did you ever get burnt out from swimming?
13: It, yeah, uh, which is very common. Uh, you know, I swam from the time I was four till 22. So that's. Eighteen years of your life you dedicate to your sport, which it's two times a day, every day. In college, we swam six hours every day, ten 000, or I think it was fifteen thousand yards plus, which is ten miles every day.
3: And it's solemn, isn't it?
13: Yeah, yeah, that's one word to describe it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, you got to be self-motivated, and yes. that's going to work in your life. It got that toughness. Do you have a few more minutes? Absolutely. All right. So, listen, Riley Gaines is here. Her book is now out today. It is pub. Uh, it is. Uh, publishing day. So Happy No Snakes Day is it. If you're thinking about getting a book for your kids with a great message, that's where to get it. At Riley G. Barker is where to fi- find you, right?
13: Yeah, yeah. And so- you can look up um, www.bravebooks.com. Um, if you subscribe to their Freedom Island Book Club, you can get my book for free.
3: All right, there you go. Thanks, Riley. Thank you. Just keep it here.
2: Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmead. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show.
3: Hey, Riley Gaines is here. You got to go pick up her book. It's really dealt for kids. For parents listening right now, you're driving. Just remember this name. Happy No Snakes Day. Uh, You could go to Brave Books. Or do you have it on your website, too, I imagine.
13: Yeah, yeah. Um, On my Twitter, which is Riley underscore Gaines underscore. uh, There's a link there. Uh, You can buy the book on its own or you can subscribe to the subscription service and get my book for free.
3: All right. So you've been in a tornado really for about the last 18 months. We were just going over who, as you go to fight for women in sports, which I thought we would, you know, I thought it was a done deal with Title IX. That used to be controversial, Title IX. Men's sports, in order to get the numbers equal to women, were cutting different sports. That was once the controversy. Now we're all those women that work so hard to get here. You're almost divided. You mentioned that Billie Jean King is is fighting for the trans men. Yeah. And you have Martina Navratilova who who is she's firmly a in your corner. Yeah,
13: yeah, she's a part of this this community. Uh so they call it the LGBTQ community and and really it's kind of crazy cuz we don't agree on On much else outside of this, talking about political issues. But she's totally on board because she was an athlete. She knows that she wouldn't have had the opportunities and success that she had had she not had she had to compete against men. Uh, But, yeah, you think of someone like Billie Jean King, who is really who we have to accredit Title IX, too. Yeah. You think about it. She played in the Battle of the Sexes. It was this huge thing. She won Um, And now Billie Jean King, along with the National Organization of Women, which is just mind-blowing, they're leading the charge in totally undermining everything that they once fought for. And they're actively fighting for male inclusion in women's sports.
3: People, I mean, women must be really confused because they used to know exactly who to follow and who's setting the pace. And now they aren't. But um, do you find that you're winning people over because your argument's so solid?
13: Definitely. Uh, not only is the argument solid, it is the most basic of arguments. It's we're at this point now where it's kind of like this whole emperor wears no clothes thing. So many of us are thinking it so many athletes and coaches and parents and medical professionals, the list goes on. So many of us are thinking it, but people are terrified to say it. Um, so yes, we're definitely winning people over. Um, I don't think it's, you know, you look at the media uh, and you look at how our government officials, elected officials are are voting, and, and you would think this is a, a very partisan issue that falls on party lines, but it's, it's not every poll shows. Uh, there was a right. recent Gallup poll that showed over 70 percent of Americans agree that men should be, should not be in women's sports or women's bathrooms.
3: So Leah Thomas in particular, she's the one we always see famously, she's... St- you're behind her be when no one really knew who you were. Like, what the hell? Yeah. She, had won a, she had won a meet, I guess. Yeah. Um, do you know the picture I'm talking about?
13: I do. <laughs> what
3: is that? What was that meet?
13: It was our national championships of 2022, uh, which is, of course, I mean, it's the meet you work not just all year for, but all your life for. It's comparatively, it's, more, it's faster and more competitive than the Olympics because of the depth that the U.S. has. So the fastest meet in the world. Um. Yeah, Thomas won a national title, swimming three years on the men's team previously at UPenn, ranking in the 400s and 500s, mediocre at best, to then dominating the entire country of women.
3: Right, and your husband, then I guess fiancé or boyfriend – uh swam on the same team right he's on the men's team
13: yeah yeah so well, my husband yeah. um competed against Will Thomas <laughs> and so to now kind of have this come full circle and i've i've also had to compete against Will Leah Thomas uh just as we said before the break here like it's like a south park episode or like a babylon b headline yeah. but it's it's real life now
3: right it is, uh, and now what kind of life that Leah will Leah Thomas has graduated, right? And is I guess in law school,
13: right? And that's the th- this is the thing that kills me because we hear people all the time. I hear it all the time when I travel state to state. We hear people say, "Look, they just want to be happy. They just want to live their life." Um, first of all, Thomas was invited fully to undress in our locker rooms, exposing his male parts, all of the things. Um, but Thomas now, and this is all through social media, it's all public through social media, openly a Satanist, openly a communist, openly a part of Antifa, um, which I mean m- how I feel and how majority of us felt is we were being forced to by the NCAA to basically participate in this person's fetish because now he's dating another um, trans-identifying uh, person who is a male who identifies as a woman – so two men uh, actually pretending to be women, pretending to be women. So two men who call themselves lesbians. And look, I don't want to police what people do uh, behind closed doors. Of course not. But don't infringe upon me. Right? Don't come in my locker room uh, exactly. exposing your male parts. Right.
3: It affects you. you're swimming two times a day since the time you were four. You want a shot at a national championship. Thank you. Uh, going against other women. The other and well, steroids used to be a, a, a big controversy. And lastly, the guy finally had his this guy finally had his surgery and he keeps his testicles in a jar. <laughs>
13: that's that's yeah. Uh again, through social media, it's I it's it's on there. Uh they have their testicles pickled in a jar on their mantle at their house. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Hard
3: to imagine. And I'd rather not. Yeah. But but I mean that's what you're dealing with and that's what you worked your way through, and that's why your outkick show is so valuable, uh, gains for girls. Because I have uh, my both my daughters are college athletes too, and we could I, I worry especially soccer. If a man pretending to be a woman goes out there, you're talking about head balls crushing, right. physical game, let alone boxing, which is insanity. Uh, I don't know if she would play if actually she saw that.
12: Yeah,
3: no. Um, pick up happy no snakes day. Thanks so much for stopping by on day one. Hopefully you'll be a regular guest.
13: Of course, thank you, Brian.
3: And pick up out and don't forget to uh, to watch her on Outkick. Keep
1: it here, Brian Kilmicho.